Today on our show, we're counting down the top 10 horror films of all time, asterisks, which Wayne is really excited about. Bloody hell. Yeah, okay. Let's go, Paul. <laughs> let's get this thing done. Wow. What was that again? What were we ferreting? Okay, welcome to episode 395 of the Countdown Podcast, everyone. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the podcast. We count down movies and sometimes television in order of awesomeness so you don't have to for only five more episodes after today. And then we are changing the format. We are going to count down everything and anything you can possibly think of. Damn right. Sometimes movies, though, and even less yeah, often yeah. TV. Movies haven't left completely. No, no. They've not left the building. They're not, not Elvis. All. Not at all. So it's all good in that respect. But today, horror films, it's Halloween. In a little less than a week at the time this episode drops, and by tradition over the last, well, I guess our eighth Halloween we're doing this, we've always done a horror countdown, so I said to Wayne, we're finishing up this sort of arc of the show, let's just do the best horror films of all time, which in episode 63, when we used to do stupid things like big topics, grandiose topics, without yes. thinking we would make it another five episodes, yeah, we counted down with friend of the show, patron of the show, Jared Demeza. Ah, yes. Jazza. JD, yes. welcome. Welcome, well... To you all, but uh, a little special shout out to him. We'll hear his top three, which he has said haven't changed from there. So uh-huh. you, you could go back through the website to our website. There's the one there? Yeah, on the Podbean website. You can find episode 63 there to see how it relates. I have no and idea what's what changed said. in the last, well, coming up on seven years. Bloody hell. Okay, yeah, I have no idea what I said, so who knows what's going on here. So, of course, I, I don't remember what I said. Well, I would. I, my films, here we go. Here, here's, a, mm. here's the asterisk I mentioned. Yeah, let's one. go. Let's go. My 10 films mm. would be pretty consistent. There might be one or two films in the era of the show which might force their way into the lower rungs of my top 10. Yeah. Now, everyone knows I'm a horror film fan. I watch them all. Anything yep. that's got any budget behind it, I will watch. I watch a lot of small budget, low budget, micro budget, zero budget films. Oh, God. And Back in when they had like VHS like video libraries, there was a poor section. There was, and I'd seen just about all of them. Now, I know Drew... From the Real Feels podcast, he's got me beat. I'm probably no epic film guy, Justin. I'm sure he's got me beat as well. Sure. But even horror guy, self-proclaimed horror guy, G-banger, Gerald Morris from the Two Peas on the podcast. I reckon I'm around at his level, maybe even seen a few more than him. Gerald, there's a challenge. We can work that out one day. So I guess what I decided was too boring, Paul. Wayne needs to talk about his top 10 ever because he's probably seen 12. 12 or 13. <laughs> we know it's more than that, <laughs> even in the lifetime of the show. I am instead, so there won't be any vote this week, no comparison. I'm going to give you the top 10 horror gems that uh, you may have not heard of. Good, because otherwise we're just talking about the same movies. Probably. And to be fair, obviously, listeners, regular listeners on this, new listeners may not know that I think horror movies can eat all the dicks in the world. (laughs) I hate them. I think they're stupid. I I love that you love them, but I hate them. So, I have done this. Why would you just do any other show? <laughs> One guy's not no. even meeting the brief, and the other guy says, I fucking hate this brief, and I'm going to shit on you anyway. No, 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 no. No, what I'm saying is that you are getting sort of like, if you're similarly inclined to me, perhaps this could serve as a horror list, a list of horror movies for people who fan. don't really like yeah, horror. Yeah, okay. And yeah. so I've tried to, like, I could have just gone horror comedy, horror comedy. I didn't do that. I actually picked movies which I think most people would agree are definitely horror. Okay. So I didn't, Good. you know, there you go. So there's you go. Bit, bit of effort, bit of yeah, effort. So a bit of, definitely, I'm, I spent a lot of time last night to the too. wee hours kind of going, I really want to find 10. Now, 
One or two I might have mentioned on the show before, but I think the vast majority of these I haven't even given a mention to. Good. So no, that'll be interesting and some fun. Really left field choices here. And my challenge to you, if you are a horror film fan, if you're any of those gentlemen who I've met listed just before, or indeed you consider yourself to be a massive horror fan, how many of my ten have you seen? Mm. Hopefully, there'll be something for every single person listening to this show to go out and now watch at this time of year. Interesting. Yeah. All, All right. right. So that's what we're going to do. Let's get into it then on the other side of this segment, which kicks off every show almost. It's called The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? The recount is our mailroom. Paul, what happened? Last week, we counted down the top 10 parody slash spoof films. Spoof. And we asked for your feedback on the list that we put together. Who had the superior list? It was pretty close, Wayne, last time I checked, which is why I'm now live scrolling to it. Okay. 60 votes this week. And we'll reveal the results. 28 comments that came out of those 60 votes. Stu from the Stuart Order Podcast. Great show. Do check out Stu. Wayne had a better list of pure spoof slash parody films. It felt like Paul thought my comedy was a parody. Any comedy, sorry, was a parody. But Paul did have better movies, so I voted for him, rewarding his bad behavior. <laughs> for the record, I don't win these anymore. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I just don't win these anymore. And that's fine with me. They listen still. <laughs> yes, as long as you're listening. And we actually had a really good week on the show, like the best week we've had in a long time. So thank you. To, if you're new here and you've come or you've come back after a bit of a hiatus, welcome. It's great to have you listening along. Jonathan Lamb said, no scary movie from either of you. GIF of Game of Thrones. Shame, shame, shame. I think it was a honorable mention, but that's about it. Yeah. Josh Raglan said, I rely on Troy way too much because my memory is shite. Thanks, Troy. Troy lists the... Every, and he was Troy, little, my man. Because whatever time I put it out, Troy was not monitoring Facebook at that exact moment in time. How dare he have a life? <laughs> in fact, I saw Troy and Kate from the Believe podcast wearing suits in cans on Facebook this week. Oh, my God. What the hell, boys? That's wow. a brave, brave effort. And so we don't have any lists yet. I'm going to go with memory. So Wayne gets the vote this week. Reason forthcoming once lists are posted. <laughs> <laughs> John Amenta for the Party Comics Podcast on The Great Show said, Paul had the correct number one, Naked Gun, placed correctly, earns my vote. Mm-hmm. Erica San Pedro said, I watched Cabin in the Woods after hearing this episode. How is this movie a parody spoof? <laughs> Paul has managed to trick me into watching a horror film. So she's not he listening. does do that. He's not gonna, she's not listening to this episode, therefore. <laughs> I'm also going to watch MacGruber because a parody of, Magru- of MacGyver sounds pretty fun. Voting for Wayne. Oh, thanks. So, end of the day, all of that amounted to 40% votes for you, 60% for me, 36 to 24. So, yay, I won. Hooray. Well done, man. Excellent, let's move on. <laughs> no, thank you to everyone who does get involved and vote. Six, I think it's 73 votes last week, six yeah, this week. thanks, guys. It's great to have such an active and, and passionate listening community. And um, maybe once and for all, at least until next week, the Wayne voting block is dead. Yeah, there never was one, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's probably it. The big news has already been discussed. We're, we're, we are carrying down. We are on the final countdown to the final countdown in this iteration of the show. Let's get into it then on the other side of this music cue. Wayne's favourite topic of all time. The Is the subject of this week's countdown, Wayne? Let us throw to you. Sure. So I can sure. Put, why not? None of mine are going to be on your list. So Absolutely. Zero worry about crossover this week. What is your tenth favorite horror film of all time? 
and why does it get there? Okay, so we saw this in the cinema together, yes. you and I, back in the Dizay. It was Final Destination. I'm talking about the first one. Very know, nice. Great choice. I know you got a thing about the second one. I do one. love... The second one's great. <laughs> yeah. First one's excellent. This whole series, fantastic. Really? Yeah. Isn't it like five? Five of them now. And wow. I believe there's a reboot in the works or maybe a continuation. Not sure. Ah, okay. Well, Final Destination 1, when it came out, it had Stifler, the dude from Dawson's Crack, Kerr Kerr Smith, Kerr Smith mm-hmm. Ellie Larder, and like some other people. Devin Sauer in this film? Who's that? The chick? No, he's like, he was like kind of the it guy at this time. He's in Idle Hands. You may be right. I don't know which Wasn't one he Wasn't he either. the main guy? No. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I never actually, I, lo- I looked, I watched this a little bit. I'd skip through it again before watching this and before doing this show. And I didn't recognize him. He was the lead, but I didn't recognize him from anywhere. This makes complete sense to me. Absolutely. Mm. So anyway, everyone, this is a film where it starts with uh, these class is going away to Paris for some holiday, no, for a class trip. And they're all on a plane and there's a big, huge, like, you know, plane crash, whatever at the beginning. And oh my God, everyone dies and stuff. And it turns out to be a premonition or a dream that the one lead guy has. And he freaks out on the plane. It was Devon Tower. Devon Tower. Okay. And then he freaks out so much that they kick him off the plane. He has a fight with the dude from Dawson's Creek. And basically about a handful of them, five or six of them, get kicked off the plane. And then the plane goes. And they're, they're all mad at him going, man, you I should be in you Paris. Fucked up you shit. fucked up And then the plane blows up. In the background behind their shoulders. That's and, right. shoulders. and like all the windows going, like, oh shit. So um, then it, from, the, from then on, the movie is, the, the, the plot, I guess, or the premise of the movie is that they cheated death. So death comes for each of them. In presumably some kind of order, and it the does. Order they were meant to die when the plane blew up. Right. So very cool little moment. That the cool thing about I say cool about this is that <laughs> <laughs> is that because it, like, don't get me wrong, all the deaths are ridiculous, and I'm sure that's on purpose because it's this kind of a horror film. So fine, but they because you're just waiting for the next one to get dispatched. It is quite a suspenseful, oh, what's going to happen now? What's going to yeah. happen now? Every little thing you jump Everything's at kind tense. of thing. And it's the, the most ridiculous death is when the hot blonde girl starts getting pissed off at them, talks to them, and just Steps walks out to the, the street. street. <laughs> and then a bus takes her out. A bus which is somehow on silent running, or it must be electric, because it makes zero approach sound. <laughs> that's it, right? So I think that it, for, for me, it became like suspense in a way that once you look after the deaths and go, oh... It's going to be a ridiculous death, or someone's going to get beheaded. Well, I think you used the word ridiculous way too quickly in this iteration, Is this it not, first film. Yeah. Because the next film, they oh, go, yeah. now let's make the deaths ridiculous. Well, that next film, like, beginning with the big logs on the road oh. and shit, literally, like, there's such a big pileup. And for some reason, for like about five minutes after that pileup, there's explosions, there's fire, but. Trucks and cars keep running full speed into these fires. That's <laughs> awesome. It's like, what the fuck? So uh, that's why I didn't pick the second one. So the first one here, by the way, Final Destination, this first one was going to be called Flight 180. Mm. And while it was in production, it could have been released under that title. If that had happened, we might not have gotten all the sequels. Probably not, because then it would have to be... Flight something else, or you know, almost um, something. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, anyway. But uh, no, I did I did actually... $23 million budget made $113 million, which is why we got another one. Five sequels, yes. And all of them have been successful. And my argument, uh, at, on the aforementioned G-Bangers podcast, two mm. Ps on a podcast... We did the top five horror franchises of all time. And? I think that's dropping maybe the same day or around. It's out for their patrons at the moment. So a little bit of a spoiler if you're a G-Banger fan. Uh, <laughs> this series is in my top five of all time. Ah, ooh. Because quality-wise, it's low dipping. The worst of this franchise is pretty is okay. 
the bestest franchise one, two, and five are fantastic. So five was good. Five's that's excellent. unusual. Yeah, it really is. Mm, okay, final destination, folks. Maybe give it a try. There we go. All right, my number ten then in my top ten hidden horror gems that maybe haven't worked or heard about is one I've definitely mentioned once or maybe twice mm-hmm. on the show. It's called Splinter. It's from 2008. This is a creature feature film directed by a British guy named Toby Wilkins, who I think's only made one other film, which is one of the endless Juan grudge fucking sequels. What is Splinter about, Paul? Splinter is basically about a couple of near-do-well criminals who kidnap a young couple in the middle of fucking nowhere and head into this gas station. And it's a one sort of location siege movie, basically, where they're under siege hmm. from these creatures where they've all got splinters in them. The splinters basically infect and take over Oh, any part of the body that they... So if they splinter you in the arm, mm. the arm suddenly <laughs> takes on its own life trying to kill you. Really? So even though the rest of you is seemingly totally fine. Oh. And so they first of all get attacked by sort of the carcass of like a fox which is moving. Imagine like, you know, that, all those movements where everything's moving the wrong way. Yes, joints that's, are going, that's all that kind of shit. unsettling, yes. Yeah, very unsettling. Uh, Shay Wingham is the bad dude guy in it uh-huh. he, you'll recognize him he's in every fucking film ever made usually in a bit part he's in kong skull island and oh is it that. a british film though no no no. it's an american american film. film so the four of them hole up there mm-hmm. and, and at, at the end it becomes how do we work together to survive because we're all going to die if we don't get out of here uh-huh. low budget but mostly practical effects and so the guy who directed this film hired a whole bunch of like contortionists and oh. gymnasts and the like so that when arms or whatever flop in the wrong way it's really being done for that for that per- like as opposed does that to special flip effects. You up, that that double jointed thing because I know yeah. a lot of people that it does. It's like oh yeah, and the fact that they have to sort of come together to survive. It's one of my great tropes that I love in films where totally. good guys and if you like bad people come together to to survive. So yeah, uh, love the shit out of this film. The Splinter is my number ten. Very nice. Uh, my number nine was a movie that Paul recommended to me. You can basically. Assume Shoot that everything on this every, list. Yeah, is, <laughs> either Paul recommended it to me or I accidentally saw it. Um, I was walking through the room <laughs> on the way to, to tug one out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, lost his headphones lost there. Headphones there. Okay, cans are back on. All right, here we go. Uh, the movie is called It Follows. Yes. Yeah. So now this is a film that. Very um, nice. Very nice. The reason I like it is because it actually made me think about what would happen if you were in this situation. It Follows is about this teenager, Jay, who sleeps with her new boyfriend for the first time, and then she finds out, he just kind of like sits her down and says, okay, here's the thing. No, he ties her down. He ties her down. In this like warehouse, warehouse or whatever it is, like building, some building yep. car park. Dilapidated building. Yep. And explains to her, weirdly, that here's what's happened. He suffers from a he was or she's now contracted this horrifying curse that travels from victim to victim through sexual encounters where once you bang someone this thing comes for you it follows you and kills you and the only way to escape is to fuck someone else so it follows that person and once yeah. it kills that person it kill it comes after you so you've got to try and get the more you, people it fucks ahead of you the safer you are right so you can only fuck attractive people because if you fuck, if you fuck like some fucking Bowser or some fucking whatever, right? 
That person's never getting fucked again. You only got one person between you and the bi- and the thing. But so it's quite a, a lot of a, it's a bit of a trouble, bit of trouble, mate, uh, and a lot of pressure. If there wasn't enough pressure, fucking attractive people. Now you can only fuck attractive people and hope that attractive person fucks someone else attractive, so which doesn't always happen. This film biggest subliminal <laughs> advertisement for, for Viagra. Well, it's <laughs> the thing is, it's like it's like this is sexually contracted curse, right? So yeah, so this is a metaphor for STDs. Right, and so it is a slow burn of a film, which normally would probably make you know my short attention span go, oh my god! But ultimately, it is worth it, even if it makes you a little paranoid after viewing. So it goes. No, it would make you paranoid. After <laughs> <laughs> well, the um the the because the entity isn't that typical ravenous monster. Well, no, the monster takes takes the take the form of anything, anyone. But it seems to be a dude walking across the but field. A, a, yeah, a dude, a woman, or whatever. But it can be. It can look like any anyone that wants to at that point in time. Right. So you're then so like you're trying to scan, looking for anyone who's walking at you with a purpose, usually with a pretty determined look. They're not even smiling evilly or whatever. They're just coming for you with a purpose. Yes, and I think to myself when I look at the film, go, okay, well that's an interesting premise, mm. and it did work very out lot, fine. Very much so. Because it was a pretty amateur, not amateur, but like a, a low budget film. Low budget film. Got, right? got a lot of got a lot of love, and has is huge in the horror indie. Community. Which is cool. Which is cool, right? And I think to myself, well, if you're writing this film, how do you write an ending? Not very well. With yeah. The now I was looking at it, and you think to the the ending does. It's one of those open endings. Okay, so I'll just tell you. But it's. I think to myself, could I have written a better ending? The answer is no. But I don't know what. Like I'm, I'm sure someone else could have. So that's the only thing about the movie is that it's. It's not terrible. It's not bad or anything. I but don't, I don't mind the open ending here. I think it fits. Like, is that person in the background of the shot as they're holding hands, walking along? Is that it coming for them? Yeah, you don't know. You don't know, and that's the. I guess that's the point of the film. So, so yeah, I, I, I yeah, I probably didn't mind it as much. But I remember thinking to myself, it would be nice to have gotten some closure. But then that's I guess generally not the way horror movies work. Not not that we've had it follows too. Thank God, this should be a one and done film. So yeah, it follows again. Yeah, okay, <laughs> still uh, following. That's right. Follow me up. Uh, okay, so that's my number nine. It follows. Very nice. My number nine is a film which was on Netflix for a long time here in Australia. It might still be. I don't know. Watched it the very early days of the podcast. And I know I mentioned it on a top ten last ten. Very, very early on. It's called Circle. Circle. Okay. And Circle basically starts with 50 people wake up in a darkened room and they're in two concentric circles. So mm-hmm, inside mm-hmm. and outside. And... If one of them steps off there's a little platform they're lit up in, yeah. they just die. So they work out very quickly. And then they work out that they have to, through hand gestures and whatever, this is a process elimination, we lose a lot of people for this, they have to vote someone to die every two minutes. Oh. So everyone then starts. How many people? 50. 50, all right, all right. Very quickly get whittled down. This film's only like 95 minutes long, so it doesn't outstay its welcome at all. Okay, that's good. Less, 87 minutes. And they're, they're all like, you know, shoulder to shoulder with a very small little pad. It's not like you've got, I don't know, a room size pad to move on. Yeah. So if you step outside that, you're dead. You touch someone else, you're dead. You do these little hand gestures. And so everyone starts saying, well, don't kill me, mm. or, but or kill them. So how do you approach that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite And it's quite getting whittled down further and further. And this film is wonderful from the perspective of it's completely unpredictable, especially mm. the first half of the film. You don't know who the major characters are. And even it pulls a rug out from under you several times. Like, okay, mm. here's this person and that person definitely making it the end. They're going to be the last two and they're going to have to face off. No. Yeah. No. One of those goes very fast and, and, and the rest of it. So really well put together film. Very low, low budget. There's no one you'd recognize in this movie. It's directed by Aaron Han and Mario Miss- Missoni. 
Is this a well celebrated? And, and I don't know why. I don't know why they're there. By the way, you do find out by the end of the film. Okay. How and why they're there? I won't spoil it in case anyone is interested, because that's the whole purpose of my list. Circle. Circle from 2015. This film. So. And is it a is it a Western film? Is it like a is it a foreign film or? No, it's American. American. Film? Oh, Canadian maybe. Canadian, but, but okay. definitely North American. Okay. Yep. Wow. Circle actually sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, I think you. I think you dig it. Okay, yeah. that's not too bad. Okay, so my number eight was a film that we reviewed for the show. And it's called Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Oh, yeah, you love this one. I love this one. I actually do like this one. This is one of the... This is the fun side of horror, if you ask me. Yeah, okay. Yep. Even though it's quite gory. Um, it's got... Places. Some more, yeah, for me. Uh, it's got Samara Weaving, who I thought was Margot Robbie for a second. Adam Brody, Mark O'Brien, and Henry Zerny from... Mission Impossible. Impossible. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't be alone in thinking that Samara Weaving looked like. Well, apparently she was Mario actually considered for the role, yeah. and they just got you know cheap version. Yeah, of Mario exactly. <laughs> on on wish. Um, so, <laughs> ready or not, uh, dark horror comedy, fantastic final girl, unique premise as far as I'm concerned. Basically, the film takes place after Samara Weaving's character's wedding. Uh, her name is Grace. She marries into this wealthy Ledomas family, who actually have this empire of board games. However, on their wedding night, she finds out that she gets forced, and this is a ritual for every new person that joins the family, she has to participate in a seeming... Participate. Participate. Even in a seemingly innocent game where they have to do pretty much hide-and-seek, or ready or not, they call, and, and um, soon she learns that the family actually is trying to kill her with various sort of, like, implements and, and old weapons and stuff like that. And she has to make it until dawn... In order for them to, you know, to for her to survive, obviously. Yep. But they have to kill her before that happens. Otherwise, they die. And that's just the curse of the family. Now, you would think that this... Uh, well, actually, that's kind of interesting. But the, the thing that's good about this film is that her performance in it as the harrowed kind of bride. and Because she's in, still in her bride in her wedding dress yeah, the, the whole, whole time. Through, yep. And there's like 15 versions of her wedding dress that they made for the film to show her, her different states of like mental wow. kind of thing. Yeah, that okay. went through. And, and it's... um. This is directed by the guys who went on to direct Scream 5. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Because like it's not so serious that you kind of, for me, would turn my head and kind of like shield my eyes. But... No, there's certainly a playfulness to this film. There's a playfulness to it. And the gore itself is just played just enough where you could sort of titter at it. I remember you laughing out loud at a couple of gore moments in this film. Yeah. So that is for that for you to make me laugh at a hor- gory horror film is already a massive fucking like achievement. It's but also excellent recommendation for people who don't typically like horror films. Yeah, because you can sort of laugh it off. Now I recommended this to someone I know who also does love horror and I said, I reckon you'll like this and she went to it and said, I had the best time at the movies like in years mm. in that film. So I'm like, oh well done. So well there you go. definitely recommend Ready or Not. Excellent. All right, my number eight is the only sequel on my list. So you can probably just put in the, the original one here as well because it's a Norwegian film from this one, the sequel from 2008. I think the original was from 2006. Mm-hmm. It's called Cold Prey 2 mm-hmm. cool. or in Norwegian, Frit Vilt 2. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Japanese Coldplay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cold Prey. This is a typical slasher film. In the original film, Five Friends... There's an accident. One of them breaks a leg skiing or doing what the fuck they're doing. And they take refuge in this abandoned kind of ski. When I say ski lodge, I mean like a, a big ski kind of place. where yeah, people resort kind of thing. Resort. Yep. Yeah, it used to be, but obviously it's closed down now. And they start getting picked off one by one by this kind of huge mountain man dude. Oh. And this, the final girl ends up dispatching him. The second film, much like Halloween 2, opens exactly after that. 
she's being airlifted out to a local hospital or nearby hospital and they rescue the mountain man too. He's not quite dead. They bring him back to the hospital and she's basically arguing with the police and the authorities, let him die if he's not already dead. Do not bring this guy back to life. Mm. They ignore her. They resuscitate him, bring him back to life and of course he goes on a rampage through the hospital and it's this the original final girl with a doctor, oh, yeah. a female doctor, and the two of them sort of join forces to become kind of... This film reminded me so much of... Like she becomes... She was this sort of timid thing in yeah. the first one. By this, the end of this film, she's a kick-ass heroine and well-supported by the doctor and you know all the male authority figures don't fucking listen to them and almost all get dispatched okay. to a person. The body counts higher as any sequel should be. Yeah. The gore is greater as any sequel should be. And it's incredibly satisfying. And it's so hard to find this film. 4,000 people only in 14 years have reviewed this on Letterboxd, which is fuck all. So it's hard to find. It's actually a gem here. Yeah. Uh, Cold Prey. Cold Prey is what it is called. And by comparison, Circle, uh, 110,000 people have seen it on Letterboxd, or at least uh, scored it on Letterboxd. And Splinter. Would you say the only way to get this film is magic? Probably twenty thousand people on split on Splinter. So, if anything, maybe Circle maybe shouldn't have made this this. But I didn't do that that math. I no, just no. kind of went with no, no about that. Here's films I haven't heard people talking about, which They're I actually, want to champion. Like I, I'm getting a bit of an education, like often happens on this show. Uh, and actually, these no, are, no, none of these are really for you. No, no, but I don't. I'm not. Dis, I'm not disgusted by the choices. But at least I'm not boring you with my exactly with the same films we're talking. The about. whole point of this show and my life is to not be boring. I, I have <laughs> one. I would say two. Three films on my list I will recommend to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Okay, uh, that's one number eight. Frit Wilt Du. Okay. My number seven is The Conjuring. Yes. Right. Well done. Good. Great. I'm glad it's here. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I actually find Patrick Wilson quite attractive. <laughs> but also... You and B-Dizzle from We Watch The Thing. Really? He bangs on about how much he loves Patrick Wilson all, time, all the time to the point where I'm pretty sure his wife, Nooski, is jealous. Oh, really? Yeah. He has got some blue eyes. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, but the the, the uh, well, what was the track for this one? It was a couple of things. One, it's directed by a guy who lived in our hometown, James Wan. James Wan, and it is about this dilapidated Rhode Island farmhouse, and then soon strange things start happening around it with like you know escalating nightmarish terror. Carolyn, who is the uh, the lead, whatever, uh, sorry, the person who owns the house, contacts noted paranormal investigators Ed and Rain Warren, who of course are real people in real life, to examine the house. And they discover the, the, the whole area is steeped in satanic haunting that is now ta- targeting this family, the parent family, wherever they go. And they have to call upon all their skills and spiritual strength and all these types of things that they would use as whatever they're called, parapsychologists. I'm not sure what a ghost hunter is. Yeah, um, I think that's what they technically would want to call themselves, but I'm not sure you get that, that description if you haven't done a degree in psychology, but I don't know. Yeah, so there's no degree in parapsychology. No. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Not in Australia, anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much going off Ghostbusters, so I don't know anything. Uh, but the the film itself is because I remember the reason I got this. Paul again. Paul showed me the trailer, and it was the clap clap. Oh, the trailer. clap clap. That was the greatest. I think we did the top ten trailers with uh, the now defunct Super Movie Bros back it, in the day. It and really that was is my good. Number one. It really is good because like it's, it's at the end of that trailer. Oh shit! Like this, it was very cool. So I was like, you know what? And Paul made me watch it, but I went, why not? So I went in and, and it turns out because of the real 
the aspect of it was a real thing. I'm not dramatized and that sort of thing, but the fact that it actually did happen and these people are real people made it more grounded for me and it actually mm. made it more scary. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think this is a legitimately scary film. Yeah, so... Didn't but without do- blood and guts and without... That's any that kind right. Of stuff, right. And interestingly, the film contains no sex or nudity, no one little dies. profanity. A dog dies. But no one does. Bloodless violence and brief depictions of like alcohol. But it receives an R rating purely for scare factor. Being terrifying. Which is kind of impressive. Yep. And apparently when it was shown in the Philippines, some cinemas had to hire Catholic priests to bless <laughs> the... I'm not kidding. They blessed the viewers before showing it because some viewers reported a negative presence after watching the film. Oh my god! I know, Paul. It's the Philippines. So um, in James... Flippy for real. Flippy for real, baby. <laughs> Uh, check this out, though. Director James Wan was working on the script late one night. He just adopted a new puppy who had started staring at a supposedly empty side of the room, began to growl aggressively, and then Wan stated that his dog's head then followed something all the way across the room, which he couldn't see. And I'm like, yo, fuck this shit, man. <laughs> I just don't understand the concept of you start writing a script about something scary and ghosts flock to you. That makes even less sense than ghosts. About as much sense as getting blessed in a cinema pool. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, okay, how about, how about, because ghosts are all about your psychology and your spirituality. Your, your attuned. Are you attuned to seeing them where before you weren't? I don't know. By the way, ghost stories and shit that I hear from people or that happen, not really to me. I haven't had any ghost stories. Stick around for a post episode. That's going to be one of, yeah. Yes. That might be one of our shows. Got people. Post so, episode 400. Because this freaks me the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, we thought it might be a fun one to get people's ghosty. Oh, not shit. to step on our mate Cade's uh, toes with Believe, but just our one off episode. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. So, okay. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, the Conjuring is my number seven. All right. My number seven is a film from, he's a very small indie filmmaker, Anthony de Blasi. It's called Last Shift from 2014. Last Shift. 25 thousand people have seen this one according to Letterbox. So again, pretty lowly sort of ranked. That's good. Or, or at least seen. This is a really independent, low budget horror film which effectively follows a young rookie cop who's been sent to a police station. It's the last night it's going to be open and her only job, they've diverted phone calls away. Her only job is to wait for someone to come and pick up some shit. I can't even remember what that part mm-hmm. of it is, but she, so no no people should be walking in. Just effectively she's a night watch person for this one night. Okay. But over the course of the night, she comes to learn that this Manson like cult committed suicide in the holding cells. Oh. So spooky, mysterious shit starts playing. Mm. Starts happening to her. And she starts getting more and more. And it is. It's well filmed. It's well edited. There's a lot of effective jump scares. And I think this is the kind of film where the jump scares are earned, not just thrown in there to Good, because I hate, I hate the ones that do that. Yeah. And, I, and it really does start slowly. By 25-minute mark, I'm like, okay, fuck. You've got to persevere if you give this one a go. So I just really want to be clear about that. But it really gathers momentum and... As you and the sound design is excellent, as you really get into the poor female police officer's headspace with what she's going through. Can you tell me if she's in this 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 cell shape, whatever? Well, she's in the whole police station. The, the police station, yeah. right? She's the only one there. Last mm-hmm. shift, fine. And then she, find, you know, okay. So there's like there's been some like mass suicides going on there in the past. That means that there's some supernatural element. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's that. Okay, it's, it's absolutely become supernatural. So and it has a king dick ending this is a great ending to this movie which which ticks all the boxes and leaves you feeling appropriately horrified so last shift if you've not seen it well worth your time if you're looking for that indie horror gem 
You know, you could probably do a whole podcast on this kind of thing. I, I would say I'm not allowed to talk about plans that are in place. Okay, good. Because this is like <laughs> this is exactly what you and your people would like. <laughs> Okay, uh, my number six. Now, this is where it starts to get a little more um, obvious, shall we say. This number six is absolutely a me pick, and it's probably the least horror one on my list. Okay, don't but so far. Yeah, it's American Psycho. Yeah, it's definitely least horror. It's yeah, least horror, right? Okay, so American Psycho, you, sure, you probably all know about it, but it's about Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, who is a, uh, it's set in the late 80s. He's an affluent businessman who lives a second life as a psychotic serial killer with an insatiable bloodlust. Mm-hmm. And it is an excellent film with an intelligent satirical take on the super wealthy. And it's got a lot of social content and stuff like that. So in that way, it's not that horror but he does cut people up, kill them, and so on in this film. Now, the history of this film, and me even being interested in, in the first place, is that back when we were in high school, or maybe just after high school, Paul said, hey, have you heard of American Psycho, the book? And I said, no, what's it about? He said, it's the mm-hmm. only book that is actually sold under the counter. Well, yeah, in the bookstore I bought it from, it was wrapped in plastic. Yes. So you have to actually ask for it. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, okay, wow. And I'm like, yeah, so it's the only, I said, a book that's like not porn that is in a, yeah, like, exactly. and he's like, yeah. I'm it said, really felt like, not that I bought a lot of this, but porn, because <laughs> you can get it for free. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I then borrowed the book from him and read it, and I was freaked out a bit, because what this book and this movie does is it sort of leads you in to... I actually think to myself going, man, whoever wrote this book, you wouldn't, if you were dating someone, you wouldn't want that girl's parents to know that you read Brady this. Brady Snellis. Brady Snellis, right? Uh, because the, the book itself and the movie sort of lures you into a sexy scene where there's titties and so on, but then it turns into gore and it's very like it's very hard on you as as a viewer, as a reader, whatever, right? But there's a particularly the book and I and I brought this sensibility to watching the film, which I thought wasn't a great I'm not a huge fan of the movie because I am a huge fan of the book. Yeah. Because for exactly the reason you've just described, but there is this overriding sense of this feels not true yes. to the book. And it has been... In particular. And it's been ratified, and I know, I know yes. but uh, by Brady Snellis himself. Yes. But it's more profound in the book. Like, there's a scene... I don't want to go into graphics because it's too disturbing. I remember where he recants where he's, he's basically, he... I'm at a party, and, I, and he says, and I see this girl that I took home one night, and I wrapped her face in barbed wire and, and fucked her or something yeah. awful like that. Something horrendous. It was worse than that. but that's and, Much worse And she that. looks at me and gives me a strange stare. I'm like, yeah, I don't reckon that's really what she would do if you really did no. that to her. And you that's know? what, and it's been ratified. So with this show, uh, the idea is, and it's not expressly said this way in the film, but basically it all happened in his head. Yes. He hasn't actually killed all these people. And that's why they can't actually pin it on. Yeah, him. there's a scene in the film where he runs a riot and kills what five, six yeah, police just officers. Blows people away. Pretty shit. sure you don't walk away from that and just carry on about your business in a city. No, if that's the case. But here's the thing about the film: even though all of that unpleasantness is an aspect of the film and so on, the other parts of the film are so comically yeah, weird. Huey Lewis and the news. Huey Lewis and the news. The business card scene. I still piss myself that. Gr- that is an excellent scene. It is such a good scene. Really well put together. So it's, for that reason, it's actually this oddly comforting but uncomforting book. It's it's a movie. So what else has he got? Uh, uh, what's Phil Collins' band? Genesis. Yeah, yeah, Genesis. Yeah, it talks about that. about that. And the, in the book, it's just whole chapters. Yeah, just going on this absolute diatribe. This. Demonstrate his obsession about the, the minutiae of detail. Every time he sees someone, he talks yeah. about their Oliver people's car glasses yeah. and their fucking this suit they and then this other thing. And, they're, they're and, they're all, and it goes on for fucking pages. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. Oh. So it's actually, I know what you mean. Like, this is the thing. It's, 
I can see why Brett Easton Ellis became this kind of an office because he's actually well, so quite like rules of attraction, rules of attraction, a bunch of other things. Yeah, man. something else I'm missing. Something yeah, big he's done some, too. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, American Psycho is an, is actually oddly a favorite film of mine. So there nice. You go. Well, I'm very surprised. Not that it makes his list, but it's a, I'm surprised that you like it that much. To be honest. Yeah. Although it does. That's more you. I'm kind of now that I think about it, maybe more surprised, not higher. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what makes it higher than that. My number six is the oldest film on this, as in, in not in terms of date, but the last time I watched this movie is the furthest long ago. So right. I'm going from the, the vestiges of my memory from 13, 14 years ago. It's a 2007 film. It was made in Montreal. Hmm. It's called End of the Line. Now, End I'm, of the Line. I'm going to suggest that, fuck all, 1.6 thousand people only have seen this. Nobody's seen this movie. This is as hidden a hidden gem, according to letterboxes, you can possibly get. This one follows the story of a psychiatric nurse named Karen who, who boards the Canadian subway. A bunch of people get on with her. It's the last train of the night. Mm. And turns out that the cabin, that the carriage houses members of this church called Church of Hope who get a message from Reverend Hope and start pulling knives out of their crosses and stabbing to death everyone else on the train. Holy shit. Now, this shit is going on all around, I don't know whether it's just Canada or the world, wherever this Damn. church is, they're killing people left, right and centre because they're saying we're making the way, this is the end of the world and we're, we're sending souls to save them. That's their belief. Wow. So someone pulls the image and we get a bunch of characters to survive this onslaught and now they're trying to avoid these religious zealots who are running around trying to kill them. So it's on a train? Well, now they get off the train okay, going through the it. tunnel and the subways and whatever else. I don't want to spoil the film any more than that, but let's just say it doesn't go in the direction that you're expecting. Hmm. Because no, no one's seen this film. Like, according to this, statistically speaking, I wonder if a single person who listens to this podcast has seen this movie. But... Yes, the low budget's there to be seen in certain scenes and places from my memory, but the story is excellent. Mm. The Most of the performances are good and those that aren't die pretty early. So well done to the director for identifying the shitter actors in, <laughs> the, in this uh, particular film. And it goes in such a satisfying direction. Like, really? Legitimately shocked me that this film I'd never heard about before found the, the deepest, darkest corner Corners of, of the, the web. web. Not the dark web. Just like <laughs> horror website. Where yeah. I was just rabbit holing one day and they're talking about End of the Line. So I went and managed to find it and watched it and I'm like, damn, that film was good. End of the Line. Yeah. And sorry, again, not a foreign film? Canadian. Canadian. That's yep. not foreign. Yep. So, ah, okay. End of the Line. There we go. Interesting. And can I just ask, you find it, it didn't go in a way that you expected, but it was satisfying. Yep. That is the perfect end to any movie. You Not just mean? the end, like at, at about the halfway point of the okay. film. Okay, all right. Yeah, so. Very cool. All right, nice. Uh, my number five was a film uh, that uh, probably on our earliest memories with my friendship with Paul, uh, literally I came to his house one night Excellent. when we were in Glad high school. Glad you mentioned it. Yes. And he said, oh, you got to watch this film. And it was two films we watched. One was The Hitcher, which were Kahara. Mm-hmm. And the other one was this. It was Evil Dead 2. Yeah! Evil Woo! Dead 2, everyone. Would where I would be on my top 10 films, right? horror films of all time. As well. Of course. So Bruce Campbell, who I had not seen before, is in this film. And it is... I'm sure everyone here listening has either heard of Evil 2. They've heard me bang on about 97,000 times. So, um, or Ash Williams in particular. Yes. Well, and, and that's why it was like, I, I, cause I, even, I think I would have said to you even back then, like, uh, look, this isn't my jam because you got to check this out. Cool. And that was the start of this, people. That's why I kind of we're doing this show. Yeah, could well. Because yeah. it's the thing that we well, do. We go even further than that. FUBAR. FUBAR. Tango, Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash, man. Year yeah. 10, 1990, everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and and why I think I liked it as well is that it was the most pure. Like, even though we weren't in a movie cinema, this you want a piece, piece of shit CRTV. Yeah, but like, it's still a, 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 one of my most pure cinematic experiences because it's literally you and your bro. Hanging out, broing out, watching a film in his house. We're kids, basically. Yeah. Right? We weren't. We weren't driver's license or nothing. I don't probably know. Probably not. Probably, no. Well, I probably might have been seventeen or eighteen. I maybe, yeah. maybe. But like, we had. No, and this is the kind of shit that you did. And it was the fact that, oh, okay. Well, I discovered this film because Paul has a genre that I don't know, but we both love movies, and it still ended up being fun. And if I'm not mistaken. When he loses his arm, has to put it in that can and then puts a book on top of it. It was I pointed out, hey, the book said a farewell to arms, and I can't remember whether you knew or you didn't know, but we both laughed at it. So I may not have then. I certainly do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. So you know, it's um, this is yeah. I mean, it's it's a yes, it's a classic as such, but for me to appreciate a classic and it's a horror is huge. So Evil Dead Two, everyone. Nice, very, very pleased mm. you mentioned that. Now, shameful admission time, Wayne, to you and our listeners out there. Just today I was reading. I still play Fortnite. Yes, oh, yeah. fuck you all. Is that? I'm sure everyone does. No. I'm the only one who doesn't. <laughs> I don't think anyone my age plays Fortnite. I think I'm the oldest Fortnite player in the uh, world. But we're that odd generation where we play games and still can have sex. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get married to do that though, so it worked for me. <laughs> anyway, they have are about to release an Ashley Williams, an Ashley Williams skin. Really? But you have to pay for it. You can't win it through the game. And I have steadfastly refused to buy any skin in the four or five years I've been playing Fortnite. What's the tab? I don't know, but I'm going to pay it. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> Do you get a fucking yeah. chainsaw? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's, that's worth it. That's fucking... I'm, I'm totally... I'm buying it. I don't give a shit. So, yeah, that's <laughs> can how we get a Can we get like a, a video? Can you, scrap, can you cap a video of your character Probably. just fucking busting caps? Yeah, okay. Well, Probably have a video of me dying a lot. Yeah, like. all yeah. that. That's fine. That said, I am coming off two wins in a row, which is unusual for me on Fortnite. So apparently I'm the king of the world at this point in time. Ah, uh, James Cameron. All right. <laughs> My right. number five is a film which is inspired by John Carpenter. I think it's very, very easy to say. So it's kind of equal parts Assault on Precinct 13, The Thing, and mm-hmm. Prince of Darkness. It's called The Void from 2016. Okay. Now, this is... Directed by Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Katansky. And if you, it's 61,000 people have seen it. So I think more people have obviously seen this one than perhaps some of the other ones on my list. Mm. But if you were a fan of Psycho Gorman last year, Stephen Katansky, I'm not sure if Jeremy Gillespie is also, they both did that one. No. So just Stephen Katansky did. He's a co director of Psycho Gorman. This film is basically about a small town and a man's fleeing from this apparent murder. He gets picked up by the police. The police take him to the local hospital. And then they get surrounded by this cult. Mm, and mm. the cult have this, like, they're wearing this all kind of white hood sheep, Ku Klux Klan y, okay. with a triangle, I think it's a triangle from memory, on their face. Like, it's like, like, imagine like a white mask with just a black triangle. Okay. And they're trying to get inside and get to this guy for some reason. And so, not that they're necessarily trying to protect the guy because as soon as someone gets within range of the cult, they kill them. So they're trying to protect themselves. And meanwhile, it's kind of this Lovecraftian entity trying to come through from the bowels of the of the hospital basement. Hmm. It's full on, it's gory, it's gooey, it's low budget, but it wears its influences on its sleeve. It's incredibly entertaining. And I would thoroughly recommend The Void. It's my fifth best horror hidden gem I can recommend to everybody. Now, here's something I've noticed about you horror folks is that when a movie tips its hat to the tropes of horror, 
you all tend to enjoy it as long as it's well done. Is that fair? And this one is an example of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, I would imagine probably more Assault and Precinct 13 budget than, or maybe even Prince of Darkness. Certainly wasn't the thing budget, so. Ah, yep. okay. Very nice. What was it? It's called The Void. The Void. Okay, cool. All right. Well, my number four is a film that I have definitely talked about on the show before as one of my surprisingly favorite horror films, but I've since learned that this film was not actually written as a horror film. It was written as a drama and was then turned into a horror film. Okay. Hereditary. Oh, damn. Yes. Now, there's this... an infamous photo of Wayne looking very, very anxious yes, and perturbed boy. next to the post of Hereditary Which on the is night scary. we went to see it. Right. Now, this is one of the most unsettling films I've it's ever seen. Brilliant. It is actually... This, this would be one of the ones that is jockeying in my top 10. It actually is brilliant, everyone. It's about um, when... Uh, so, Tony Collette is in it. Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolfe, Millie Shapiro, a couple other folks. But Tony Collette, her, her character, when her, her, her mom is mentally ill, she passes away. So, her husband and son and daughter all mourn her loss. And they turn to different means of handling their grief, including, you know, Annie and her, well, Tony Collette and her daughter, both flirting with the supernatural. What happens in the film is they each begin to have these disturbing otherworldly experiences linked to the sinister secrets and emotional trauma that have been passed through the generations of their family. Now, what is weird about this film, not weird, what is unsettling about this film, apart from everything, is that decapitation is sort of a theme that comes in through the film, Mm -hmm. right? And... Ari Aster, who's the filmmaker, he wanted to make a film about suffering that took suffering seriously. So it's not exactly roses and rainbows, this people. But why it was sort of interesting, it's, I, I, think, I think the only more unsettling film I'd seen was like Mother, which Paul loves. Um, <laughs> Fuck that movie. Yeah, but um, the, it, it was written to be a straight up family drama dealing with the grief and loss one experiences with the death of a close family member. But then Ari Aster saw the potential of turning it into a horror and just rewrote it this way. So had this remained a family drama, Midsommar would have been his first horror film that he initially tended to be. But why uh, the actual film itself probably got to me because, again, I've said this before, but I will never watch this film again. But it's almost like uh, the, the, the suffering of it is told from this perspective of a sacrificial lamb where the bad things that are happening, is it's, it's so in your face and it's so like heavy upon you as you watch this film. And everything is just shot in such a way that you're just ugh, creeped out that it got to me to say like, wow, this is amazing that a film can do this. Remain, you know, keep me on the edge of my seat, even though I hate this subject matter with a passion. And still I can walk out with it going, that was tough, but goddamn, it was well done. So this is pure craftsmanship. And this guy, I think he wasn't that... I think it was, was it his first film or one of his first. Ari Aster's first Ari film, Aster's yeah, film? yeah. That they did Midsommar. Is outstanding that he's been able to do that. Um, so yeah, Hereditary is insanely good slash not enjoyable, but good. Hundred <laughs> percent agree with you, except the enjoyable part because I can appreciate the film for what. It yeah, is. if you can somehow not be a weenie schnitzel like myself, you're probably <laughs> fine. But wow, it's just. Not a date film, I tell you that. It was so packed at the screening for this one. Do you remember we were in the front row? Yeah, and round wound. Well, I wound up next to some randoms next to me. That's right. And the very first scene in the film, when not seeing the film, first scare in the film yeah. is when she's ruffling through some boxes in the basement or whatever it is, and in the background behind us is this shape Something. of her dead mum. Yes. It's there, and in the lighting at the in the cinema, you can see it. Kind of, you can light your TV screen a little bit different. Obviously, it's clearly the mum, but in the cinema, you weren't quite sure. Oh no! The guy next to me is like, "Fuck that! Fuck that! <laughs> fuck that! Fuck that!" Which means 
the scare of it yeah. and the, 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 just the really, uneasiness was so Really good. well handled. So Very impressive for nice. a first time. I'm really glad that, that made your list. That was your number? Four. Four, yeah, excellent. My number four is a film that I think made my top ten films of the year in 2015. So mm. if you are that long a listener, you've heard me talk about it before. But only 76,000 people have seen this movie. To put that into context, I keep saying that number on Letterboxd. 98,000 people in one week have seen Halloween Ends. Yeah. Right, so we should we should clarify that when you say only this many people saw the film, oh, according sorry. to no. only this many reviews on Letterboxd. Sorry, right? no. Yeah. It's not in reviews. Oh, just star ratings. Seen star ratings. Star yeah. ratings. So, cool. yes. Uh, in fact, logged. Logged. It may, logged. Not, it may not even give it a star rating. So, there you go. my apologies. But that's just an indicator. It's not yeah, indicator, no, indicator. Maybe billions of people saw it. But look, the reality is if only 1.6 thousand people... Versus yeah. 98,000 people totally in one indicative. week. Indicative. Indicative. Yeah. indicative. The Final Girls from two. The Final Girls. I can't remember. 15. Refresh my memory. Yeah. This is directed by Todd Strauss Schulson, who's gone on to do, well, not much of fucking anything as far as I can tell. Okay. Oh, God. He directed Isn't It Romantic with Rebel fucking Wilson <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen, Todd. But in this movie, this is a, like a homage to the 80s slasher flicks. But at the same time, imagine... It's kind of like that storyline where... You are transported into the thing that you love. Uh, okay. All so right. In this film, Tara Famiga, who is Vera Famiga's daughter? Sister? Sister. I think much younger sister, like 13, 15, 20 years difference. As hot? Mm, that's your okay. thing. Okay. It's not mine. Okay, sure. Yeah. She lost her mother in real life, who was an actress. Uh, okay. And who's played by Marlon Ackerman. Mm-hmm. And she goes to watch this slasher film that her mum was in before she had her. Mm-hmm. Oh. And somehow through her wanting slash wanting to connect with her, her and the people that she's with watching this movie on this anniversary screening get transported into the movie. Okay. So it's this really fantasy. Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It's PG-13. So you don't, oh. see, you don't see a lot of blood and gore. This is one of the films I recommend to you, Wayne. Really? Yeah, because it's a deconstruction of the horror film tropes. So much so. Oh, okay. That's so they're in the film now. Yeah. And they're trying to tell the slutty woman, you can't sleep with that guy. If you do, you'll be murdered. Right. They're trying to tell the dwee- the. Uh, Stoner, if you go off and smoke that joint, you're going to get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Okay. Well, At the same time, it's called The Final Girl. The Final Girl's gone, yeah. She's trying to connect with her mum, who's the final girl in the film, and like kind of connect with her and prove yeah. to her that we have a more bond than I'm just a yes. kid on this camp. Ah. It's really cool. That's kind of cool. I've mm. never heard of that before other than when you told it to me, which I forgot. So but seven years ago. That's okay. I don't expect you to remember what I spoke about yeah. seven years ago. The Final Girl. You don't remember what I spoke about last week? What fucking hope do we have? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The fact that it's PG gives me heart. PG thirteen. Sure, PG thirteen. Yeah. Okay, so that's fine. It's probably okay. M here in Australia, but very. I've got it on DVD. I could lend it to you. I don't even have a good DVD player anymore. I do not. But I, I lent it to someone. I'm not sure who's got it. Maybe sure. Paul, if you're out there, if you've got it, maybe you. I'm sure I could find it somewhere, Paul. Yeah, but I'm sure you um. can get, get it yourself. So the final girls, great fun film. If you've not seen it, do check it out. Final girls, nice one. All right, cool. Uh, my number three is well, these my my top three are things that you've all heard of. So obviously, like like most of them, but this one is Scream. Yeah, this is Scream, okay, choice. and it is the first one. Although I will tell you, Scream it was almost great. almost the second one, almost yeah. the second one. Uh, when but, I wa- okay, no shame intended. Yeah, for myself, when I walked out of Scream, I said better than the first one. So did I, because that one is one of the few movies that took me by surprise. When I rewatched them all recently, yeah. ahead of Scream Five, and also I rewatched them all for the movie watching challenge three years ago, mm-hmm. um, I realized I was wrong. Scream is where it's at, but Scream Two is a Fantastic, worthy success. Right? Very close second. So, 
so Wes Craven film, uh, and all through one, another one me and Paul saw in the cinema together, probably with a bunch of folks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely. And Paul was actually kind of like nudging me and saying, and it kind of explained to me about how, because this, I don't know if the meta stuff started here, or it was a this thing This is the before. first postmodern horror film. It was, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's when they, yep, yep. exactly. So even like all of the gags that they put in there, like um, I think, you know, it, I even got some of them, because they even called, this isn't some Wes, what's the other horror guy? Is Wes Craven and Wes Craven did Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Oh, did he? Is that? It wouldn't be Carpenter, would it? John Carpenter, yeah. Yeah. So is it, this isn't like a Wes Carpenter film. Like someone yeah, yeah, said something that's like that. Joke, yeah. And um, and you know, uh, I think that again, I was still not sort of like looking forward to it, <laughs> because that's just how that is. Have but you, I think if you really look between the lines of this episode <laughs> this week, ladies and gentlemen, you'll find that Wayne likes horror more than he's willing to admit. I understand. I, no, I, I, that's actually fair because like the. The, the camaraderie of seeing horror with friends yes. is a much bigger we part of it. around my place and watch Let the Right One In. I hope that's not one of your one yeah. or two. No, I, 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 it's an honorable mention because yep. that's a really good one. But um, the yeah, so this one's about, you know, you've all seen it, Neve Campbell, Sydney Prescott, she and her friends are in this sleepy little town, Woodsboro, and there's a masked maniac running around loose, stalking and killing high schoolers. It's pretty much what you would expect, all right? Mm-hmm. However... Having, having you know, Monica from Friends in it and stuff like that in this film, and I think probably what was cool about it was the context they gave to all the slasherness and the killing and that type of shit made it fun for some reason. Even And I think acknowledging that it was all a trope and this and that helped me take it less seriously and just enjoy it as a film. And, yeah, that's right. I think the last... Um, and the fact that, you know, not everyone died was quite good for me. Because, like, you had that the, the dude, that Jamie Kennedy guy... And then Timmy. Dewey oh, no, no and like Monica, David oh, Arquette. David Arquette. Yeah, a lot of these Campbell. folks actually made it to. Well, they had to get to the sequels and stuff. But um, I yeah, like I said, like one, like two. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, it's yeah. quite the cast of it was a sort of mid nineties it people. That's true. Yeah. Mm. So um, yeah, everyone loves this one. Written by Kevin Williamson, one of the smartest screenplays I think ever put to film. Scream, uh, and then directed by a master of horror, Wes Craven. That's right. He wrote Dawson's Crack as well. Kev Williamson actually Not, yes, created yes, Dawson's Crack. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so Scream, my number three, big, everyone. Big ticks. Well, well played, sir. My number three is my only Australian entry into the list. It's called Lake Mungo from 2008. And here's what scares me, ladies and gentlemen. Films that are presented as real mockumentaries, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because they like you played on earlier with whatever film we talked about, where there's a real uh, the the conjuring. Mm. This one's not even a, a dramatization. It's presenting this film about a family who are grieving the loss of their 16 year old daughter, who drowned in this lake, Lake Mungo, mm-hmm. and they start to believe her spirit is wandering around. So they're being interviewed around this spirit, and the brother is set up home cameras, and we're seeing the footage from that. So it's all interspliced together. Mm-hmm. And this, as this film goes, there's a couple of massive revelations which kind of debunk the fact that it's a ghosty thing. And then it turns out, no, there's a twist upon a twist. Oh, really? And it's really, really creepy. And there's a couple of moments where like, they'll do the shit at the end of the film where it's like, oh, zoom in on a shot earlier in the movie. Here's oh, that's good. Here's something you didn't see. That's cool. Oh, damn. Really? Damn, that's fucking chills in the back of your neck type And it's shit. effective. Yeah. And it's presented as a doco. Yep. Ah, oh, that's even better, actually. So this is probably another one I would recommend to Lake you. Lake Mungo. Yep. All right. And, and 60,000 people logged it on Letterboxd. So somewhere in the middle of what I've been talking about today, but not a lot, again, given 98,000 people logged it in one week for Halloween Ends. 
Interesting. Lake Mungo. All right. Most that, people have heard about this. You've piqued my interest for sure. It's a little bit of a, a sort of indie. The guy who directed it is Joel something. I can't remember his name. He never made another movie. This is his one and done film. Joel Anderson. Nice. And here we are talking about it. Very mm. cool. All right, cool. Uh, my number two is Alien, everyone. <laughs> yeah, great choice. <laughs> Which, for some reason, I never thought of as a horror film. Really? Yeah. It's I, a haunted house film in space. That's the thing. I always thought of it as a sci-fi thriller. Which I guess Aliens is more of. A sci-fi action? Aliens, yeah, I think it, 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 I think it gets away from being a horror, that one, for sure. Yeah, that one's not a horror. But this one here, because even though the gore of the chest burst and all the impaling and the fucking... But then there's people walking around dark corridors being stalked by this thing. That's what I think. Because I, I think I said, I might have been on the other show. Is Alien an actual horror? And you're like, yeah, it's a horror. But it happens to be in space, so it threw me off. Now, I saw it again for this... Well, I skipped through it again for this show. It's yeah, essentially about an alien being that is uh, it's, it's produced and they've got this sort of uh, the this crew crew yes biology oh, sorry. biology so you're yes. going a different direction. My John apologies. Hurt, John Hurt. It's it's essentially the alien that grows out of his chest is stalking everyone and it becomes kind of okay. It's horror insofar as it's got Tom, uh, it's got Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, John Hurt, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, now uh, who? Veronica Cartwright. Ah, see there, you know, they, yeah, that's right. Now, I didn't actually know who any of those people were. Really? They're no. all like 70s staples. Are they? Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. This came out in the 80s, this film, no, right? 70s. 70s, 70s. 79, 78. Yeah, so I only saw it after the fact, right? So, of course. Well, you did not watch this when you were three years old. No, no. And even like Aliens, when it came out, I had rough encounters. I remember my introduction to this film was yeah. staying at one of my mum and dad's, well, falling asleep at one of my mum and dad's friend's house on the couch. And my mum and dad's friend's brother, or I want to say, but maybe nephew, when I woke up, it was playing on TV. Wow. And he said to me these words, which stuck in my in the forefront of my psyche for now probably 40 years. He said, this is the scariest movie of all time. Really? So I'm like, I have to watch this movie. How old are you? I'd say six or seven. Fucking hell. So he didn't let me watch it. He turned it off straight away. He said, you can't watch that. It's oh. the scariest movie of all time. Yeah, because you would have been whatever, like what it would have been eighty two, eighty three at the yep, time. So yep. it probably was, and they had yeah. Well, this is the thing. Um, I as is often the case, we've all heard of Aliens. So I'm gonna tell you that Harrison Ford turned down the role of Captain Dallas, the Tom Skerritt role. The original cover right. movie, three hours and twelve minutes. What? Yep. So Ridley Scott no, stated it was slow enough as it was. I know it was. Eh? You have to really be good. patient with the. You really do. Yeah. And he said Ridley Scott said in casting the role of Ripley, it came down to Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep. Wow. And he went, and they, they both, both of them had been college mates at Yale. Wow. Amusingly, he said that in, this was the latter part of the film where Ripley is in underwear and then she gets, before she gets into oh, the space the pubes. Suit. Pubes. Yeah. He said she refused to fucking like shave. So he had to spend what he said was a lot of money removing pubes digitally, <laughs> which just cracks me up. Why would you not? Sh- anyway. Um, well, it's 1978 versus 2022, Wayne. Whatever you require of your uh, conquests. <laughs> hey, I like a bit of a dental floss, everyone. Um, but now, <laughs> but, but not a lot. Not poking out the sides of your underwear. Uh, you know, yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, initially, depending was, how depending how thin the underwear is. Okay, you're getting close. Hers head, hers. Mo- moving Sorry, on, okay. moving, moving on. <laughs> Initially, it was oh, we called got through an hour of an eight minutes of recording. I know. So I haven't probably, actually been probably like an hour time. of actual recording time. <laughs> And we have not gotten sexual or inappropriate at I all. Oh, which is unusual Jesus. for me. Um, us. Yes, us. And by the way, it was called Star Beast. That was the original title. <laughs> what a dumb Star fucking title. Star Beast. It's not like a game title. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a fucking 80s, like 8-bit fucking... Anyway. Yep. It sounds uh, like a game. Yeah, it is a game. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah, there you go. Alien is my number two. Very nice. Well played, sir. My number two 
probably don't recommend to you. Okay, but let's hear it. Too scary. Too is bit. Oh yeah. But I kind of convinced my wife to watch it. How did that go for you, Paul? She said it was terrifying. I thought it was disturbing. It's another faux documentary, mockumentary film. It's called Hell House LLC from 2015. Go on. I'm shocked that only 38,000 people have logged this one on Letterboxd because it has two sequels of absolutely diminishing returns. Oh, okay. But this one's directed by Stephen Cognetti and it's set five years after the unexplained malfunction of a, of a Halloween attraction kills 15 tour goers and staff. Okay. So on a, on a haunted house tour, 15 people die. Mm-hmm. And the documentary crew travels back to the scene of the tragedy to work out what happened. Okay. So, what this film does is it splices this documentary crew going back with handheld footage mm-hmm. of the actual yep. from 2015 of the actual thing five not five years before makes sense. So people who are setting it up and recording themselves doing this, mm-hmm. as well as random other people who've come into this house and somehow their footage has either escaped or they've uploaded or whatever it is. So we're establishing this place as effectively a conduit to hell. Oh, and oh. It's hard to describe how effective because it's so low budget. It is. But so scary it makes a two on your gems list. Well, it almost feels authentic. Yeah. The very final last five minutes of film where something happens to... Again, not going to spoil it because the whole point is hidden gems. Not enough people have seen it. Go and see it and watch it. A little bit undercuts it because it's ridiculous and fantastical and whatever else. But unquestionably, you're trying to set up a place where people will walk through and be scared. Yeah. So you're putting shit in there. That will make it scary. Mannequins and putting ghastly makeup on them and dressing them as clowns and whatever else. And then when they're walking around, they go one shot, walk past, and then they walk, turn around because all one shot, walk back, and the the mannequins moved. Oh, that's creepy. Yes, it is creepy. It's creepy AF, and they all get a vibe from down the cellar. But the whole tour culminates in the cellar, and they want to scare people to run out the stairs and up the stairs. So bad shit goes on in this cellar. Hmm. It is really well put together. It's really, really smartly conceived for a very low-budget film. Stephen Cugnetti, at least at that level, is a gem of a filmmaker. Unfortunately, they went back to the world too many times. The third one of these films is fucking garbage. Uh, But I was genuinely disturbed enough to go, this is a scary film with barely any blood. Barely any. You don't see people get eviscerated or killed. It's one of those films where it's a little bit of a trope of found footage in effect, but yeah, yeah. Blair Witch. once we once we show something going on, the kind of camera blurs because I can't film the horror or it goes staticky or whatever else it is. Okay, okay. Or they just cut away because because the feed cuts off. Mm. So, so you're saying though that this is too scary to recommend for me for you, despite yes. being like a, a low budget kind yep. of thing, which means that the execution of it was really good. Pretty sure you can watch this one on Amazon Prime right now. If you've really? Got Amazon Prime. Uh, title again? Hell House. LLC. Sorry, LLC. Hell House. LLC. LLC. Okay. Wow. All okay. right. Really, really thoroughly recommend it. Excellent couple of uh, mockumentary, documentary found footage films. Impressive. Okay, everyone. Well, we're going 10 to my one. Mm. And my 10 was Final Destination. Nine, It Follows. Eight, Ready or Not. Seven, The Conjuring. Six, American Psycho. Five, Evil Dead 2. Four, Hereditary. Three, 
Scream 2, Alien and My One is the thing, Paul. Oh, of course it of is. Of course it's the thing, okay? That's why you are a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> well, again, this is another movie which I never thought of as a horror. Even though really? Was, even though legs came out of people's heads and fucking started walking and shit. I don't know why, but for me, because it was set in real time, and it, well, not real time, but like in like contemporary, contemporary times. at the times, and it was like an ice station, so it's just like a bunch of guys and there's flamethrowers and stuff like that. So um, you thought it was an action movie? Kind of, but then there's not much action. Well, here's what happened, right? The I saw this when my I was 15, and my sister's then boyfriend showed me a lot of film for some reason. Kurt Russell films like Escape from New York and this one, all the classics and stuff, right? Yep. And I saw this, and I was like, "What's this about?" And then I, because I had heard the thing, I for some reason I I mixed it up with this Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin (laughs) movie called The Blob, right? (laughs) So I had to say that and then you see this wolf at the beginning and it's a serious movie and all this sort of shit husky husky yes yes, right sorry and i was like oh what the fuck's this and then it just blew me away and then i was like and that 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 line after the head the the legs with the head gotta be fucking kidding kidding apparently that's kurt russell's favorite line he always laughs when he hears it but I was like, alone. I know, because I'm like, what the fuck is this now? I'm not going to go through the flop because we talked about this a million yeah. times. However, yeah, I will yeah, tell yeah. you, the most interesting thing is this thing was a massive flop. Yes. He, John Carpenter fuck said. Fuck you, E.T. He said he takes, yeah, exactly. E.T. was what, he said he takes all his failed movies pretty hard. But this one is the biggest one because a lot of people said, like, big critics like fucking Siskel Ebert were saying, too phony to be disgusting. Fuck off, dickheads. Yeah, like his, they were saying that it was a, it was a shitty version of Alien. As but this is saying. one of those films which has grown in estimation over the years to right. be one of the most celebrated horror films of all time. Which is amazing. You, you will not find a, genre, a horror genre film fan who does not like this film. Right? And even just anyone, just a movie fan is going to go, yeah, but this is the bomb. Because look, look at the, the craftsmanship in this film. Look at the, the practical effects. The practical effects. Rob Bottin almost died making these practical effects. Well, watching this one and Alien, right, as it's compared, the Alien effects are far less good than this one. Yeah. Like, they don't hold up the same way. Arguably better filmed Alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's because of all that, you know. But, but like the look at this. Here's some interesting stuff. Unused music composed for this film was later used the by Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, yep. which is like, oh, look at that. That's cool. Nick Nolte turned down the role of McCready. Dickhead. A dickhead. And so did Jeff Bridges. Uh, and that's um, dickhead, but still. Well, yeah. Bad well, move. I know they they wrote the script with Harrison Ford and Clint Eastwood in the lead roles. Uh, As in who? Wait, both could be in the no, film. No, no. Uh, one of those either, two one should of the two. be. And uh, both men were considered, and then, uh, but this is really interesting. The poster was drawn by a guy named Drew Struzan, who does yeah, all the famous, famous posters. Yep. He drew that poster overnight without having seen any publicity photos. And when John Carpenter saw the the the, the poster, which is just basically it's very abstract of this shadowy dude yeah. with the thing, and there's like with, a light coming the, out of his head. The big. Face. It's like sort of basically like a winter a light. hood. Yeah, hood. It's like one of the jacket over yeah. and an eye. Yep. And, then, and John Carpenter said, this is the final nail in the coffin. This is going to go to shit. Because he didn't want it to look like a slasher film. Ah. But that look, he said, why didn't they just paint a fucking knife in his hand? He said that. Right. right? And that's what it just went to shit from there. But John Carpenter will go down <laughs> as one of the most irascible, antagonistic. Yeah? Yeah. Like, he just doesn't give a fuck. He just says whatever. Like, he did the score on the last Halloween film. He could give two, three, one shit about how that film actually played. He gave him fuck. Just pay me my money because oh, yeah, I create the characters. Don't care. He's paying for his retirement is yep. what's happening right now. So, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of guy I would be, Paul. I'd like to think I had more artistic... I think the only person I can think of in pop culture who's more antagonistic about all the work he's done and, and most of people he's worked with, but in, in the exception, I guess my point is that 
the guy I'm about to say doesn't work with other people was Alan Moore. He fucking hates everything he's ever done and everyone's ever adapted anything he's ever ever worked on. Here's the grumpiest cast yes, there is. I guess that's what I'm saying. Grumpy's the right word. Yeah, because like everyone is like, hey, I'm this legend. I, I, I fucking wrote yeah. Watchmen or this, that. And yeah. then it's like everything everyone does is shit. And also Hollywood is shit. Yep. And fuck this person. Yep. And, that. and like, motherfucker, just lose some weight and shave the beard. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, well played, sir. All right, my 10 through two, well, up to my number one then. Bring it. Of the hidden horror gems, and I really hope that I have found you something to go and look for now. Number I have 10, no doubt you have. Splinter, nine, circle, eight, cold prey, two, or fruit, wit, wilt, whatever, two, <laughs> laugh shift, last shit, last shit, last shit, last shift at seven, end of the line at six, the void, five, the final girls at four, number three is Lake Mungo, number two, Hell Hells. Hell House LLC and my number one was shown in 1992 on Halloween night on the BBC network presented as a live documentary it featured Michael Parkinson as the host of the show oh Parky it had Craig Charles Lister Lister as the on the ground reporter where they had been told we have a horror we have a haunted house and we're going to investigate it live on TV for 1992 audiences. Now, Parky... It's called yeah. Ghost Watch. All right, go on. It is a complete fabrication. Nice. But it was presented as true. When was this? 1992. So that's before Lister became Red Dwarf, which no, no, means... No, 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 no. He, he, Craig Charles only got this gig because oh, he was Lister and Red Dwarf. But didn't everyone go, hey, he's a director, but he's Lister? No, no, but the oh, point he's... is he was like Craig Charles. Craig Charles playing oh, Craig Oh, as Charles. himself. Yes. Oh, that's different. That's yeah, different. Craig Charles playing Craig Charles. And like, Parky... hey, Red Dwarf oh. guys here on the ground being the funny guy out in the car park. Oh, that's good. People, that's right? good. And Parky's already a fucking like... Yeah, Parkinson you know? was, was a legend yes. at, at that point in time. So yeah, they're, they're basically, they're playing themselves and... They had a reporter, Sarah Green, and a paranormal expert. And so this is effectively where we're crossing back to the studio for interviews with experts. And when they were on the ground with Craig Charles, with the audience out in the, in the and then the person's inside with this family who are saying they're being haunted. And then things go south. Yeah, go on. And the way this show is presented, when I found this torrent, that's how I fucking found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15, maybe 20 years ago, I found this. Yeah. I spent the entire time going, what the fuck is this? Is this real? And by the end you go, no, it's not. But the first hour, I'm like, this is some fucked it? up shit. Really? Because, yeah, things are going wrong, but in a small way. Like horror films do, but because it's couched in this... Real life. This real life. And I can only imagine, this is like War of the Worlds. Yeah. The radio broadcast. Yep, yep. That made people flee from the Brought into the 1990s. Mm. It freaked, this, this created apparently the most number of complaints that any show in the history of the BBC had ever received. Wow. Because so many people were frightened and traumatised. Yeah? <laughs> the ghosty shit, and it's based on the Enfield Poltergeist now, to bring it back to your list, mm. which is based on The Conjuring 2. Okay. The Conjuring 2 was based on the Enfield Poltergeist. Okay. And so this Poltergeist, which gets more and more extreme, and it ends up possessing one of the, inter- the person on the ground, and then somehow... People start calling in saying ghostly shit's happening now to me too. Like by broadcasting it out, it's, it's somehow it's creating up. power yeah. and other spirits are coming to life. And, and so wait, what? Tell me what happened. So you you got Parky going. Oh yeah, we're cutting to Craig, to Craig yeah. Charles so or whatever. He, yeah, he's he Craig goes Charles into the, the no, not Craig Charles, but someone else. Yeah, here's Sarah Green. She's in the house, and Sarah Green's like, okay, I'm talking to the mom, and she's telling the story about what's happened to them and, and the little girls and blah blah blah. And then shit starts happening in the house. Really. 
and then she starts acting weird. She's possessed. No. And eventually it crosses the it end. I want to spoil. No, no, no spoil, spoil. I'll, I'll, no spoil. To, but to, if you can find this thing, it's really hard to find. It's totally never again. been broadcast. I think maybe once more in like 2002, around yeah. the time I saw it, which is probably how I got a copy of it. It's called Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch. Yeah, but look, I've spoiled it because. But imagine just stumbling across this, or imagine being BBC presents BBC One, no, BBC Two, cool. whatever presents Ghost Watch, an investigation to a haunted house. I'm like, oh, I'll watch that shit. I, Today I was on Netflix and went, oh, 28 Days Haunted. I'm going to watch that shit. I want to see been it. a... Yeah, I'll tell you, it's right. Halloween season. This is, what, this is what happens. They all come out now. I would have watched that shit at the time and I would probably have been blown away as well. Dude, let me tell you something, right? This is the odd thing. My dad loved this shit. Yeah. All right? There was like TV shows on Australian TV called Haunted. Yes. Or something. I love Do you remember that, that shit? Most Haunted. Most Haunted, right? Oh, no, no, no. 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 Most Haunted. The UK one was called one. Haunted. There was another one called oh, Australia's no. Most the Haunted. The Extraordinary. That was another one as well. He was like, yo. Because there there's a place uh, in w, West Australia where it's called York. And yeah, the York Hotel. The York, York Hospital. Hotel. York Hospital. Yeah. The old York Hospital is considered like really, really haunted. There's like bleeding walls, that kind of shit, right? He's like, let's go. I'm like... Uh, you go. Right? <laughs> and like, because, and he used to love all that shit. So I used to actually get, I think that's probably why I have an aversion for it. Because Dad used to tell me about it all the time. Look, so, look, I've heard stories about people being possessed by tigers in your family. So, dude, there's so much yeah, weird don't shit. Don't Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a countdown on that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's probably why. But that's interesting, man. So hang on. The three that I've got from this is Final Girl, Ghost Final Watch. Final Girls, and Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo. Yep. All right. They're the three nice. I recommend to you. But you can also watch uh, Circle, no problem at all. Okay. Yep. Very nice. There we are. That's Alice. Well, not quite. What about yours? Why any honorable mentions? Yeah. Uh, the usual people. Uh, Lost Boys. It. Get Out. The Cabin in the it's Woods. Nice. Uh, Let the Right One In. Yes. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Zombie Land. And that was it. Yep. I had The Invitation. I've spoken about it probably a couple too many times. The A lot Bel- of people talk about that show. The Belco Experiment. And the most recent film on this, The Dark and the Wicked, which is from the guy who directed The Strangers. Mm. Very slow burn where the dread just creeps up on you. Mm. That's Alice. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of The Countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand in the segment that we call The Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Kicking off this week with a man we haven't heard from in some time because he had a second child and has disappeared off the face of the earth. You know what that feels like? Sam, not second child, just the disappearing off the face of the earth. Sam Hurley from the Movie Reviews and 20 Q's Sammy. podcast said... Number three, Train to Busan. Great film. Would have been on my list. Mm. Number two, Psycho. Number one, The Thing. And he said, I just went straight up horror. Nothing like Silence of Lambs makes it. And I agree. Silence of Lambs, not a horror. It's a thriller film. Yeah, right? That's why I put it on there. Honorable mentions. Go on. Brad Hargis from the Cinema Guys podcast. Another great supporter of the show and an awesome podcast in its own right. He gave us five. Sorry, Brad. Only going to read the top three. Number three, Halloween, the original 1978. Number two, Night Living Dead. Number one, The Thing. Mm. Adam Allure, top level patron of the show, absolute champion of our human beings. Number three, Dog Soldiers. Love that film. Well really? played, Adam. Number two, Halloween. Number one, The Shining. Probably the best cinematography of any horror film ever. That is hard to argue. Well played, mm. sir. Josh Ragland, the creator of The Countdown, Scavenger Hunt. I need to go back and see how many I've done for 2022. I need to get that done. Sorry, Josh. Number three, Ready or Not, Twain. Yeah, what's up? Number two, The Burbs. I didn't consider this a horror <laughs> film until I saw someone listed as such on, on Facebook. Tom Hanks? Drew Hallam. I don't think it's a horror film. I'm sorry. <laughs> I loved that show. It's a word. <laughs> Would have been on Wayne's list. There you are. Number one, 
Sean of the Dead, one of my favorite all-time movies. Yes, I've heard it mentioned a bunch that it is great because of all the horror homages it features. So you know it's a good flick when a non-horror person loves it as much as I do. So Josh is obviously Agreed. your kind of individual. Most deaf. Mike Margosi, another patron of the show, said, Rocky Horror Picture Show, not really a horror, but gold. Mm. Don't know why I picked this one. Should have deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Mike, love you, mate. Uh, number two, Scream. Number one, The, the Shinning. The Shinning, fine. Yeah. David Powell, another top level page of the show. Top three are pretty much uncontested. Number three, Alien, 79, he tells me. Boom. Number two, Suspiria, 77. Hmm. Number one, The Exorcist, 1973. Classicist, this fellow. He certainly is. G-Banger, the ad for mention from two Ps on the podcast. Halloween, 78. Scream, 96. The Thing, 82. Damn, that's boom, two out of your boom, three. Boom. And Halloween is an absolute classic. Joey DiCarlo from the amazing So Wizard podcast said, crap, this is kind of tough. Number three, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Do you reckon there's an overall winner here? A little bit. Number two, <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Yes. Number one, Dawn of the Dead, 1978 iteration. Ah, uh, yeah, I know one. Smiley mate to the show, said The Fly from 86 with Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. Yeah. The Thing again, an alien again. Mm-hmm. Kristen Okaro said Get Out. Nice to hear from some of the ladies. Yes, about the horror. Kristen. Number two, The Thing. And number one, Alien. Not Kirsten, Kristen. Kristen. Did I say Kristen? I, I think Kirsten. I think I said Kirsten. Sorry, Kirsten. I'm terrible. I said Kirsten. No, Alien I number one. Well done. Rob Walters said two came to mind right away, but he, three was a bit trickier. Number three, The Exorcist. It's famous in a horror stable for a reason. Practical effects and atmosphere go a long way. I know you've seen The Exorcist. Let me ask you this. Someone mm. told me this because I've not seen it. Is The Exorcist scary? Not because of the spinning head. But because the way it's shot is that there's things in the corner of the screen that you just notice. Is it like that's that? my favorite kind of horror? I have to be honest. Yeah, but it also adds in subliminal flashes of demon faces. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Okay, so it does do that. Yeah. All right, scary stuff. And I think I'm not sure if that was the original cut or the one that was redone at whatever point in the 90s or early 2000s. But yeah, it, it's you can see it. It's not subliminal because you can just yeah, make, you it can just make it out. Just make it out. Be like, what was that? What the fuck was that? Yeah, mm. So. The Shining, I was terrified of hotels for years because of this one. It's still creepy to me and the long hallways and patented floors. Number one, here's the controversy. Mm. The strangers, the fact that it's normal people just attacking people because BC, the can hits different. We uh, saw that one, didn't we? Yeah. 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 It was, I think it was a patron question review at That's some point right. with That's Liv right. Tyler and Scott Speed. That's right, I remember now. Jesse Dixon said, number three, hereditary. There you are, Wayne. Number two, Scream. Nice. Number one, Mother. Just kidding, Paul. It's actually good soma. <laughs> yes, well done, Jesse. Timothy Williams said, I'm a classics guy. The th- three, The Thing, two, Screaming. Number one, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Watched it when I was six years old so I could hang out with my older cousins. And guess what? I turned out fine. Yeah. Last two to wrap it up then. Kerry Melville said, huge horror fan. So limiting to just three is painfully hard. 70s and 80s decades were the best for horror, in my opinion. Oh. Number three, Halloween, 78. Number two, The Thing. Number one, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. 1974. Right here. And lastly, the man himself who was with us last time we recorded this topic, Jared DeMeza, episode 63. Do check it out. He's number one, Evil Dead. Number two, The Thing. Number three, 28 Days Later. Evil Dead 2? He said Evil Dead. Oh, shit. Damn. So hey. I, I have to go and listen to myself to episode 63 to see if that's true. Maybe I got it around the wrong way. You didn't give numbers. I just read it and the order was out. All good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jared. Thank you so much to everyone. Go back to us. Sorry, couldn't get through to all your feedback. We really, truly do appreciate it. And Wayne, how do the good folk get back in touch with us? 
with their feedback on the topic of hand or indeed anything else about the countdown. You can go ahead and search for us on uh, Google and get all our socials. You can send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or try and hit our website, thecountdownpodcast.com. Try. You will hit it. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> Do it on a desktop. I haven't floated up the mobile experience yet. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at the Countdown PC. You can like and follow the show through Podbean. We've mentioned the Facebook community links in the show notes where you can get involved in all things Countdown. And that is it for this week's show. The only thing left to announce is what's happening next week as we get down to 396. Have we decided, Paul, on what we're doing next week? Because it looks on this schedule here like we have not. Well, we're going to maybe flip the script now. Uh, We just did Paul's favorite genre. Horror, for sure. And my favorite genre would be probably spy thrillers with just pip comedy. So spy I would say. thrillers. Spy say. thrillers. So well, we can broaden it to spy films. Spy films. Spy espionage films. films. How's that? Okay. Espionage. Is espionage bigger than spy? Uh, I think it's a spy is a subset of espionage, surely. No? I don't know. Cause I, don't think, I don't think it's a genre on its own. <laughs> uh, espionage thrillers? Would that work? I think spy. Spy thriller. We'll call it spy thriller. Spy thrillers, and we just yeah play jazz with it from there. And this is comes from a point that David Powell, again, top level patron, moderator of the Facebook community, made. He said, you know what? If you did horror, Sawyer Wang would pick his favorite genre. He thought it was rom coms. You know what? I actually am not opposed to rom coms, but this would be like the same thing as you. Well, then you could do top ten rom com hidden gems, and I could do fucking bullshit sideways versions of rom coms. Hmm. Do you want to do that instead? <laughs> Alright, let me think about it and come back to you. Let's not commit just now. Alright, I'll come back to you. I'll come right, back I'm to giving you, you a 24 or 4 hour All right, Cuntington. By the end of the weekend, <laughs> you must commit spy thrillers or rom-coms. Word. Episode 396. Okay. Wayne's choice. Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. For that's what we're going to do. Alright, we'll let you know. Definitely. Alright, thank you so much to everyone for joining us for this big, big episode. Happy Halloween if you are someone who celebrates. We hope it's a huge one for you because our next episode will drop like hours before Halloween ends I think in American time oh, I see okay so, so boo good yeah boo hoo scary <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure my name is Paul my name is Wayne and this has been the soundboard you're mocking me aren't you pick a fucking lane hang on cunt just give, it a, <laughs> give a crack at some damn time shit <laughs> <laughs> see ya see ya